I'm Megan Skidmore, and welcome to the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt. I'm a woman, daughter, sister, spouse, mother, life coach, and person of faith on a mission to normalize asking questions and allowing doubts on a faith journey and all aspects of life. Join me as I bring this traditionally taboo topic out of the shadows of shame and into the light. I firmly believe we normalize through more talking and engaging in discussion. More talking peels back, exposes, and erases the layers of shame associated with asking questions and allowing doubts. When we are more authentic about our journey, we are more powerful because shame has no power in the face of authenticity. Beyond the Shadow of Doubt is a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network, which is part of the Dialogue Journal found at dialoguejournal.com forward slash podcast. Founder Eugene England was a Mormon writer, teacher, and scholar who wrote, My faith encourages my curiosity and awe. It thrusts me out into relationship with all creation and encourages me to enter into dialogue. My hope is that this podcast is an extension of that vision. First Friday's free coaching, the confidential group to bring all the questions, vent frustrations, share fears, express doubts. Navigating a new and uncertain reality is hard enough. Let's remove the worry of judgment from others. In this group, I will help you help yourself so that you can be there for your child, family, loved ones, and for you too. Click the link in the show notes to sign up. You must complete the agreement. During our third and fourth year of marriage, I remember going to a priesthood conference with my father-in-law and a friend of his, and it was actually the priesthood conference when they announced the, well, it doesn't really matter. They announced a new initiative, and after the conference, I walked you know, I was walking with my father-in-law and his friend and my father-in-law says, so what do you think? Do you think that's a good idea, this initiative? <laughs> and I thought, well, of course it is. The prophet just announced it. How can you even say that? How can you even ask that question? I, those were my thoughts at the time, but but I actually really appreciated that example of my father-in-law, who is a very, a person uh, whose faith is very important to him. And also he likes to think and ask questions Mm -hmm. and come to his own conclusions. And that's not incongruent with gospel teachings. You know, we hear in church a lot of times that we should pray and get our own confirmation of something. And for some people that means pray and you will, it will be confirmed or else you got the wrong answer. (laughs) But that's not what it means for everyone, you know. I think that's such an important distinction. That's so important. Yeah. So, I mean, for some of us, praying to get a confirmation allows for the possibility that that thing is is not going to be confirmed to us, whether it's because it's not a good idea or we don't personally need to feel the passion for it because we, you know, our talents are someplace else Mm -hmm. within the, the gospel context Mm -hmm. so um so that's kind of it was kind of a starting place for me and then just observing over the years and studying history how much the church has changed policies and doctrines which i personally don't feel like that there's much of a distinction there and you Mm -hmm. know there's a quote by elder oaks that kind of backs that up there's 
in a church with revelation, continuing revelation, there's not much of a distinction between policy and doctrine. Mm -hmm. I think that change is just part of it. Change is part of it. And so we, it's helpful to get comfortable with that idea as well, because it's going to happen. It happened in the past. The church is different than it was when I was a teenager. There are a lot of different things being taught today. Yes, there are. There were back then. And so all, you know, for young people today that are being told that things never change, that, you know, that, that everything that comes down the pipe is directly from God, eh, you know, we're all filtering it through our own experience, our own place in history. And I can guarantee that in 20 years, the church is going to look a lot different than it does right now. And so people should be prepared for that as well. And, and so I, I have become less attached to any specific outcomes for people in my life. You know, they may decide that the best thing for them is to no longer participate in a church community. And, and, and I can, absolutely understand and respect that you know um, i have to agree with you i didn't used to fully embrace or understand that idea but i i do now especially as um just i have new understanding revealed to me and and just kind of the uh, the blinders have been lifted from before my eyes and my hope would be that we can uh, make our communities, including church and other places, place that is inclusive, safe for our loved ones, and that is full of the love of God um, for all. And and so I, I think it's worth trying to do that. Some people, you know, decide that they're, it's, they can't, that can't be their mission, and that's fine. And at, at there are moments when I feel that it is partly yeah. my mission and there are moments when I feel like I, it can't be my mission. And so I kind of <laughs> in and out of it, of that, but I, that's kind of how I think about it. Did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. And point? I just wanted to add, you know, I really like how you brought up this, this idea of policy and, and doctrine and how you, and, and you quoted Elder Oaks and, you know, to be honest, that's always been a little bit cloudy for me. I appreciate your, your viewpoint and that change is part of it. And, and I have felt that, and it is, you can go back and read the history and you can see where certain things that were seen or understood a certain way. It just isn't that way in, in present day. And we, and at the time it was called doctrine. It was, then the happened it was. And, it, and it was called policy. And so that that might be a pattern that we can see where we assert that something is doctrine with all of our hearts and, and the, until it ha it changes and then we let go of that and and we say that it was a policy that that changed and and i think if if there's any resistance or hesitancy that a, an individual might feel in in even considering that it's it's worth taking a look at it's worth examining uh, maybe sitting with I, I love how you you brought up feeling discomfort it's a skill that we can cultivate I, I believe the same when it comes to 
to really seeing how things have changed over time. That only just coincides with this idea of our our belief in ongoing revelation and restoration of Christ's gospel. Um, we're a living organism. We've heard that term used. And the definition of living and being an organism, you're an organism, I'm an organism, there is inevitable change that happens as that organism grows and lives and breathes and develops and ages. Um, It's a natural process, a natural life process. So I appreciate another thing to consider is, is the lack of, and, you know, scriptural scholars will call it univocality. So there are a lot of kind of, you know, Bible churches that believe that the Bible is a single thing with the, that's has the, you know, that it is God's word and that God is saying each of those words. But really, when we look at it, there is not one voice. There are many, many voices in the Bible. And that, that applies not only to the Bible, but to any religious scripture or institution that has a lot of people in it, a lot of prophets, a lot of apostles that are saying things. If we sit in a a conference weekend for Latter-day Saints and we Mm -hmm. hear, you know, 30 speakers or however many, there are going to be messages that are contradictory, that count, you know, that conflict with each other. And we heard that even just this last time. And that is because, you know, everybody has their own gifts, their own uh, talents, their own experience that they are that they are un- their own understanding of the world and of of the spiritual experience even. And so I actually think that that we can frame that as a blessing because we realize, even though there may may be some people who speak against, you know, cafeteria practicing of a religion that we pick and choose. In my opinion, the reality is that we have to pick and choose because the scriptures, they contradict each other. Conference talks contradict each other. So we have to choose. And um, And I think we all do. It's just awareness is is the link. It's whether or not we're aware. We we all do. You think about things like everybody's got a different interpretation of the word of wisdom and what that really means. There's certain things that are generally um, accepted to be a part of that. Right. I think it's the awareness piece. Right. Yeah. So I, I just want to your listeners here to know that I proudly wear the badge of a cafeteria practitioner because I, I'm picking and choosing. And <laughs> I think that that fits into agency right like it does the the, one of the biggest principles that we believe um this human experience is based on is the ability to choose and you know you can of course argue that you can't choose the consequences uh of your choices that those consequences will will happen and i would just say that's right that's right I, i am choosing uh the parts of the gospel that i'm going to focus on and for me that is the you know that is love above all yeah paul said i think it was paul all things will fail except charity and so that is you know the piece of the cafeteria that i am 
embracing the most mm-hmm. and I will live with those consequences. That resonates. I feel that. Um, I, I'd probably say I've got, if this were the cafeteria of life, I'd probably got about three trays of love right now. That's, I'm, I'm dipping heavily into that option as well. That's really poetic. Thank you for sharing that. On that note, as one who openly wears the badge of um, being a cafeteria Mormon or member of the LDS faith, how comfortable then is it for you to to talk about where you're at in your journey, no matter the setting? It could be in a church setting, it could be outside, somewhere else. But just that idea of being real, and in some cases, pretty raw about where you're at, knowing that there's a good chance that the person sitting across from you may very not well, you know, is not going to be where you're at. Yeah, I mean, the ironic thing is that probably the least comfortable place to talk about it is church. <laughs> so I have <laughs> I've practiced a few phrases that have helped me a little bit. Okay, um, do one tell. One of them is, uh, uh, like, I'll just practice the starting a, a comment with something like, another way to look at this is, mm-hmm. or... I've even said in Sunday school, this might seem really controversial, but what if we look at it this way? Mm-hmm. And, but honestly, I, these days, I don't talk a lot in church. What I do is I, when I have a podcast interview or when I speak mm-hmm. at a university, at a church school, or when I post online or when I'm in conversations, you know, even some of those family conversations can be really hard. So yeah, uh, I have to be really careful about how I approach those with kind of, you know, my family of origin. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it helps again to practice, practice. And, and one of the things yeah. that I do is I try to put the message out there on my own terms, just uh, kind of like an open letter, an open post, or a painting, of course. I love doing it with artwork. Uh, And oftentimes that brings new discussions, um, or brings the discussions to me, and it has brought me so many beautiful friends, LGBTQ friends and allies over the years that it's been a really big blessing to me. So I think it, you know, it is something that we have to consider where are some safe places and yeah. we're not in safe places. What are some ways that we can talk about I, that? I agree so much. I love that you said you do it on your own terms. Uh, I relate to that a lot. This podcast for me has actually been very healing in my faith journey, being able to have these conversations openly with other individuals who are willing to talk about the hard stuff. And I, I take a more, I kind of see, um, I had a coach that I worked with and use an analogy that has resonated and I use it for myself. I'm like a lighthouse. The lighthouse doesn't stand up and go move around for the ships to help the ships find the shore. The ships come to the lighthouse. So I'm, I'm sharing my story. I'm sharing my journey I'm sharing my truth, what I consider to be my truth, and inviting others to come and share theirs as well. 
my personality is definitely not one to uh, go and shove anything in anybody's personal space. So yes, your art, uh, a picture, um, as they say, speaks a thousand words. I, I think yours probably an infinite number of words. Thank you. I'm curious to know, how has your faith journey been different, would you say, than what maybe you expected in your youth, if at all? Oh, yeah, it's been very different. I think, you know, probably need a whole other episode to go. Probably. Okay. But I I think. What would you say uh, the main thing is that's different, perhaps? You know, I think my family looks a lot different than than the church video family that I grew up with, you know, seeing on those videos and, sure. and that's, that's okay. Like that, they are, they are beautiful. They're wonderful. They're making, they're using their agency in ways that I'm proud of them. I agree. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm in a mixed faith marriage at this point. I, uh, over the years, I, my faith changed a lot. It deconstructed a lot. I, I replaced certain things that I held on to with new things that I hold mm-hmm. on to. And at, during that time, you know, my wife was very kind of, um, I would say, what's a good way to describe it? I, I think she didn't ask a lot of questions about things up until our whole world kind of changed during the pandemic. And then she, she swung right past me um, and decided that the church was not, and organized religion generally is not for her. Mm-hmm. And so that was a dramatic change in our yeah. family. And, um, and in some ways it was, it was difficult, but in some ways it also became easier for me to show who I really am in terms of my own faith and how it doesn't look again like the videos, (laughs) like the church videos do. So yeah, in that way, it looks a lot different. I would say that I I believe a lot more in differentiation now in kind of having an adult, making decisions like an adult in the face of kind of what the church community asks of you yeah I, I believe strongly in that I really appreciate Chris Kimball's book mm-hmm. that just came out where he focuses on that yeah living on the inside of the edge yes and um a lot of that resonates with me so yeah same my family my my uh yeah my life looks a lot different than I imagined it would so I I'm Thank you so much for sharing that piece. And I'm wondering if you would be willing to indulge me. You've you've brought up many ways your family looks different. And and you're proud of each of those individuals for the choices that they're making. They're using their free agency. They are growing in ways that they should be experiencing or growing in their lives. Would you be willing or open to sharing with our listeners what that can look like, particularly in a season such as the holidays coming up, Christmas and so on. How do you navigate that when in the past, you know, 
God, a higher power, has been a central factor to celebrations, which usually involve family, whether that's your family at birth, your family of your faith, or perhaps, you know, new faiths as well, if others in your family, um, I'm not asking you to divulge any of that at all, just what that uh, celebration, acknowledgement can look like, and how you make that work. Yeah, I mean, I I, I guess uh, I would use the word lucky, maybe. Okay. I don't know if anybody would use the word lucky, but I feel lucky that my family members are not against the idea of talking about God. So, so that, you know, my situation may be different from other people's situation in that respect. But I would say one of the things that we've had to do is figure out how we're going to do family, you know, teach our family, teach our kids we've done a couple of different things. One is at times we've discussed church teachings directly with different, differing viewpoints. This is what, you know, Amy thinks, this is what I think. But another thing that we've done is we have used uh, a, another kind of family home evening ish resource Okay. that I've posted about a few times, which is upliftkids.org. Yes. Yes, and, I can with them. Very good. Yeah, Very we really like resource. that because yeah. it uses a lot of wisdom traditions, religions, and science mm-hmm. to teach specific principles. So that's been really helpful in, in our family. Nice. Um, I, I've had to let go of things, you know, I've had to let yeah. go of specific ideas around Christmas. And I realized that I had to do that even before mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these, a lot of people kind of chose their own faith path in that, you know, I had traditions that I grew up with for Christmas. Amy had traditions that she grew up with for Christmas. And some of them just didn't take with that our kids. True. You know? They just that were like, true. I don't want to do that. And we're yeah. thinking, how do you not want to do what meant so much to us? Translation, no elf on the shelf in this family. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, yeah. So like, uh, that's something that Amy likes to do and I would not have chosen to do that. So I just, you know, I, I think it's compromise and it's, that's, that's to, a really good point. Trying to get, um, yeah. make room for each family member and, um, and so uh, that's kind of how we move forward. And we try to find some traditions that everybody will want to participate in because, and then there may be some things that we still want to do, but not everybody wants to participate in, and that's fine. So uh, does that? It does. I love the focus that you have there on on a bigger picture. If your family, if we were to compare it to that living organism, you are you are making each part of that organism equally important their viewpoints their thoughts their their journey their input and i can't think of anything more beautiful wow and respectful and loving i think um a lot of families could experience uh, a new a, a deeper level of connection and growth by honoring each individual where they're at a lot of families in this space and by saying this space i mean LGBTQ plus families, their kids are still in the teenage years 
And each family is going to interpret that a little differently as far as do we still make our children do certain things or pull back a little bit on the reins and allow that discovery, that inquisitiveness, invite mystery in. I love your use of the word mystery earlier. And I have taken the viewpoint that I would rather, I, I call it birthing an adult. <laughs> you, It's in some, in some ways harder than birthing an infant. You, There's so many moving parts, so many uh, things to consider. And I would just rather them have a soft place to land while they're still under my roof and allow them that, that bandwidth to, well, you know, what, what I've taught you, you know, what do we feel are good options? I trust you to make that choice or, or that decision, or I, I trust that you will do what feels best for you at this time. And it can be a really, really powerful growing experience. And I think just the release of those reins actually helps the kid to feel, okay, I, I do want to go and, and check this out, but I won't go too far. <laughs> whether or not they actually verbalize that. So yes. Yeah, I mean I I I that really resonates with me and Amy. I think we've parented very much in that way. I you know, I I think parenting is such a an individual thing too, but I, I believe in I believe in differentiation. I've learned a lot from Jennifer Finlayson Fife about mm-hmm. she and I think that those are really concepts worth learning about and and considering how you you know you might apply those to your yes. life and relationships. I do too. And I don't think it's something that we were necessarily, at least in my experience growing up, that that was available to me. I could just keep chatting. Um, this has been just lovely, just so beautiful. I always like to kind of wrap up with this question and that I ask it of each of my guests. And that is, what does it mean to you to live beyond the shadow of doubt? I purposely dropped the A. I, I believe doubt is often cast in a negative light, but I have come to know that's just not the case. Yeah. I, I, I've been thinking about the phrase and, and of course it could be interpreted a few ways. Mm-hmm. One way might be that you're moving through doubt and that there is life on the other side. Mm-hmm. I think that might be one way to interpret it. But also, for me personally, sometimes I sometimes I live in the shadow of doubt. <laughs> like sometimes a lot of my life is maybe not deep in the shadow. There are certainly those moments. Maybe I'm near the edge of the shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is. I I think it's healthy to have some skepticism. It's healthy to have some questions. It's healthy to not, you know, it's healthy to find, to seek and hopefully find some answers to those questions. And I think it's also healthy to live without the answers to some of those questions. So um, in some cases, maybe more mentally healthy. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's, for me personally, I would just say, I think it's okay to live uh, in the shadow of doubt. I I appreciate you know, that. Yeah. Jesus said, I think it was Jesus. I, I, I didn't look up this scriptural reference, but 
you know, doubt not, fear not. Mm -hmm. It was in reference to the uncertainty of his future with his disciples there. I'll have to double check that. But I also think that it's worth considering the context in which he said those words and considering where it might be good to not doubt in our lives and also consider where it might be okay. Um, again, I think uh, that that is part of agency. It's part of growing up. Mm -hmm. And Jesus did say, say, become like a little child and the people are blessed for kind of living in innocence. And also, you know, we learn from the scriptures that we need to exercise the gifts that we're given, that we need to become in many ways, adults with those gifts. And so just like in anything else, there are polarities that exist in the universe and we have to live with those. We have to live with those tensions and we have to both become like children and not doubt as well as grow up and, and gain knowledge through experience. So the shadow is there all the time. Um, and we can move in and out of it as uh, our experience pulls us through this life. Yeah. If I can just add, you know, the scripture reference that you made, the doubt not, fear not. I To pull from what you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, I think it is important to take into consideration the, the context in which the message was given. That's always an important factor. And one other thought to, you know, I've learned that doubt is actually used at times as a noun, and it's used other times as a verb. As a noun, it's to be uncertain. As a verb, it's to purposely suspend judgment. So I bring that up in reference to the scripture. I mean, there could be multiple ways to interpret that. So maybe at one point in, in your life, yeah, just move forward with faith. Just let go of that wanting to be certain and just move move forward. Not that, I guess what I'm saying is, I think sometimes people read that or, or hear that verse, doubt not, and perhaps automatically connect a negative to doing that very thing. And yeah, it faith, that the way. existence of faith and the need for faith implies the that we live in yes. the shadow of doubt, right? Yes. Because we wouldn't need faith if there were no shadow of doubt. We would it would just mostly be knowledge, right? Yes, it would. And so these are important forces, I believe, in our lives to pressure us to develop. I agree. Yeah, I so agree with that. <laughs> so if we never consider doubt or the shadow of doubt, we refused to walk through that, to let it mm -hmm. be in our lives, then we are also resisting development or resisting yes. Yes, so, I agree. It's that so, catalyst sometimes, that impetus that we need. 100%. I, I hear that. So good. Such a great conversation. I just have a few more questions. All I'm looking for are one word answers. This gives our listeners an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. I didn't tell you okay. about these questions, um, but tell us your favorite book. Oh, uh, let's see. I my favorite book. Mm -hmm. There was a long period where I didn't read a bunch, and then I started listening on Audible, 
Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, probably I'll just say that one of the, my, my most recent favorites has been Chris Kimball's book, Living on the Inside of the Edge. And I don't think that'll be my, you know, like my lifetime favorite book, but I think it's very salient right now. Awesome. Yeah. Agreed. Would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, I think I'm right in the middle. There are times when I prefer to be introverted and there are times when I I don't mind being a little bit extroverted. I would I, say I tend to a little bit more towards introversion. Sorry, these are very bad one-word answers. No, they're not. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's, amazing. that's awesome. That's perfect. The next question is, who is your favorite artist? <laughs> well, my favorite painting is a painting of Joan of Arc by Jules Bastien Lepage. That's Bastien dash L E P A G E. And you'll, if you ever go to the Met in New York City, you'll see this mm-hmm. painting of Joan of Arc. Yeah. Like, I love the story of Joan of Arc. I will be looking that up. And are you a night owl or a morning lark? Definitely night. And do you have a celebrity crush? <laughs> a celebrity crush. I have probably uh, lots of celebrity crushes. Um, and I'm trying to remember <laughs> their names. <laughs> if they're my crush, they should be on the tip of my... T- uh, do you remember their head. movies or shows? So I really love the actor who plays... She's in The Mummy. Do you remember that? She's got dark hair. Yes. And, um, um, I'm an Emily Blunt fan. Uh, I am a fan of Kate Winslet. Is it Rachel? There's a few. Oh, Rachel Weiss. Weiss. Yeah. yeah, okay. And what about still or carbonated water, or do you do diet soda? I, I, I like still water. Sometimes I'll drink. I always get the same um, meal at a slab pizza, which is a <laughs> chicken cordon bleu slice with a lemon Pelleg- San Pellegrino. Oh, yeah. Really, really bitter soda. Mm-hmm. I had a guest call that angry water, <laughs> the carbonated. Yeah, when and... I was in Italy, they would serve that. You know, we'd always get served carbonated water. Yes, that's very so European. I, I like it. It reminds yeah. me of it. And the furthest place you've traveled? The farthest place from here? Yeah, I think it's still Italy. Even after all these years, I've traveled a little bit in Europe, uh, west of Italy. Been to Mexico and Canada, but that's about it. Italy's a good place to go. I saw my bucket list. Haven't been there yet. <laughs> I've been lots of uh, other places. I hope you make it there soon. Me too. We're we're headed to Japan next week, actually. Oh wow! Yeah. My brother just went. I'd I'd love to go to Japan. So, if folks wanted to connect with you or or reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, that's a good question. I communicate with most people on Instagram. The problem is that I've got all. A lot of those go to the junk folder or not junk, but like the extra uh-huh, message that, folder. That hidden file. So, I mean, that's a, a place to try, but 
if I don't respond there, it might be worth just commenting on one of my posts that you left okay. me a message because that that would direct me to go to those, you know, to that second folder of messages. And you also have a website, jkirkrichards.com. Mm -hmm. Okay. I will leave that in the show notes as well. And your website has all of your beautiful artwork, right? It's got a lot of it. It's always a challenge to update it. Uh, so I know there are a lot of images that are not on there, but there's definitely a lot of images on there. So go ahead. Yeah. Go check it out. If, if you mm -hmm. don't see something that you think that I did, you're probably right. <laughs> it probably just isn't on the website. So folks can make purchases at your website. There is a section of the website that is, okay. is a store. It's a Shopify store. Okay. And we have a limited number of images in print, probably, you know, maybe 30 to 40 images uh, that you can purchase there on the on yeah. the web store. And some of those are rainbow. There's a section that's a rain, like a rainbow themed images oh. that includes some uh, greeting cards. You can get some greeting cards there. So yeah, it's worth browsing. Uh, if it's not on there, chances are we haven't made prints of it. I would love for you to share with our listeners. You have been doing this year a daily challenge with a fellow artist. Is that correct? You're painting a new, is that you painting a day? Yeah. And posting do, about it? It's something that I've done probably for seven, uh, what, seven-ish years, six or seven uh -huh. years. As, as it gets closer to Christmas, I we, my friend and I, Melissa Kamba Boggs, um, we each do daily paintings that are smaller paintings that we sell right there on Instagram. You got to be fast. I've learned that. <laughs> well, it's been a bad week, honestly, in terms of being fast. So they're supposed to be daily paintings, but the one that I posted yesterday, you could probably call it a weekly painting because <laughs> okay. I spent several days trying to get it right. But typically what I'll do is I'll spend a few hours getting something ready the day before and then a few hours finishing it up the day of posting. And then I can kind of cycle through like that. Amazing. It has been a pleasure to have this conversation with you, to get to know you more about your work and your story and your beautiful family. I just thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking time out of your schedule. Well, thank you, Megan. I really appreciate the opportunity. I hope that some something that I said may be useful to somebody. So hopefully if you have any follow-up thoughts or questions, you know, like Megan said, see if you can reach out to me on Instagram. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Kirk. My pleasure. Hopeful Spaces is a Dallas Hope Charities component of Hopeful Discussions, sponsored by Mercedes-Benz Financial Services USA. It's a free monthly parent, ally, or caregiver support group facilitated by Megan Skidmore Coaching. Email chc at dallashopecharities.org for more info. Visit MeganSkidmoreCoaching.com to find this podcast and additional free resources, including the link for a complimentary coaching session. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram for more or to send me a DM. Help the podcast grow. Please follow, review, and share with a friend. Thank you.